What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to the Weekly Cheese. A lot to cover this week as the Packers went into San Francisco for Sunday night football and took down the 49ers in spectacular fashion. Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams are at it again with their heroics. Some spectacular performances from guys whose names might surprise you. And the defense stepped up when it mattered most. A lot to get into. I'm pumped to be here. And let's get into it. The week three edition of The Weekly Cheese. Secure the trophy, bring Vince home. He should have been home. The end zone bound. They count us out. We scoring 10 touchdowns. Green and yellow on my jersey. Ain't no mercy to get. It's controversy through this journey, but we ended the win. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back. It's the Weekly Cheese. I'm your host, Joe Ivan. I'm solo today. Coming at you solo. But there's a lot to get into. What an exciting game on Sunday night for the Green Bay Packers. I mean, they go into San Francisco and beat the 49ers in just spectacular fashion. It was truly an amazing game. The most satisfying Packers victory that I remember watching, and maybe ever. That might be the most satisfied I've ever felt after a Packer victory. It's a type of win that instills confidence and a winning mentality into the team, especially the young guys, I mean. With 37 seconds left, no timeouts, Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams just marched down the field, two chunk plays, set up the 51-yarder for Mason Crosby, father time himself, the ageless wonder, Mason Crosby. Everyone knew that kick was going to go in. As soon as the Packers got the ball, into the field goal range, and Aaron completed that last ball to Devontae and clocked clocked the ball, spiked it on the ground. You, you saw Aaron. He did like a little Super Mario uh, knee and fist in the air. He was so pumped because it was a wrap. Of course, Mason's going to go in. It reminded me so much of the 2016 Dallas game. Like As soon as the Packers got the ball back, I was sitting there with Packer Mike and, and, and my uncle, and we just knew. There was no stress when the 49ers scored that touchdown. Yeah, we were like a little bummed, but something was just, it felt like it was going to happen, and it happened. Spectacular victory, taking down the Niners. Lift, it feels as if the, the 49ers curse has been lifted. I mean, last year the Packers went in and beat them in San Fran because it seems as if the Packers, for whatever reason, always have an annual trip out to San Francisco. Hopefully that will change now that we went in there and took care of business. Crazy game. So much to get into. And let's just start with the obvious. Aaron Rodgers, 23 for 33, 261, two touchdowns, 113 passer rating. He was just in complete command from start to finish. He started the game 12 for 12. 
got the deep ball going early with two 40-plus-yard completions on the first two drives. The first drive, first third down of the game, deep 42 yards to Lazard. And then on the second drive, hit MVS for a nice deep ball. Just in complete control, looked phenomenal. And, of course, getting the ball back, 37 seconds left, no timeouts. He was able to find Devontae twice, set up the 51-yard field goal for Mason. Spectacular performance from Aaron. And Devontae Adams, who finished the game with 12 receptions, 132 yards, and a touchdown. The Stars shined again for the Packers. I mean, it's important early. Uh, it's obviously important to, to LaFleur and, and the entire team to get guys like Devontae and Aaron Jones going early. I mean, the, the Aaron to Devontae connection saved the day. It, it simply saved the day once again. Uh, and like Devontae Adams said after the game, he is simply built different. He is different. He took that nasty helmet-to-helmet hit that for some reason didn't get called helmet-to-helmet due to the horrible officiating that was presented throughout the entire day. It was the worst officiating I might have ever seen. But Devontae took that nasty hit. He was on the ground for two minutes. I mean, if I remember correctly, it was a pretty long commercial break. But the the guy only missed one play. He was he he looked like he was unconscious on the field. He gets up, gives Aaron the thumbs up, goes back into the blue tent. I mean, I don't know if anyone else saw this, but he he was he got into the blue tent and Lancaster was forced to exit the tent upon Devontae going in it. It was hilarious actually. Like who knows? Who knows what Lancaster had going on in that tent? Um, It was very, very sketchy. There was no talks of Lancaster being uh, banged up on any play, but it seems as if Devontae Devontae goes in as Lancaster comes out, and Devontae only missed one play. So whatever Tyler Lancaster had going on behind that blue tent – Devontae certainly benefited from whatever was going on back there. Uh, and and got to thank Lancaster for preparing whatever what was going on behind that door. It was a miraculous. Devontae Adams was like the undertaker rising from the dead. And he came immediately back into the game and immediately started just dominating once again. Devontae Adams caught back-to-back ball for 42 yards on that final drive, and the Packers were able to win the game. Uh, he also, in my opinion, had the play of the game. The play of the game, in, in my eyes, was the, the first touchdown pass of the game when he ran in that motion and totally shook number 38 on the 49ers. Number 38 was in man. Devontae motions down the line, stops. The guy drops back in coverage, and Devontae just immediately bolts to the left. It was kind of reminiscent of the uh, completion for the touchdown he had against Jalen Ramsey in the playoffs last year. Beautiful motion action. Lazard laid down a brilliant block. And, yeah, just complete and utter domination from the the league's best wide receiver. Devontae Adams is a transformer out there. He is is hands down the best in the game, and it is his back-to-back dominant performance, second week in a row. 
12 receptions, 132, and a touchdown. Could have had a second touchdown if he didn't get downed at the one or three or whatever that was. Fantastic performance. And now that we're on the topic of Devontae Adams and his his brilliance, it brings up this week's Stunod of the Week. Get it out of the way early this week. This week's Stunod of the Week. It could have really went to anyone on the broadcast on Sunday night. I, I feel as if Collinsworth and Michaels were a little biased towards the 49ers. Uh, they were really propping up Jimmy G. There were a couple of really bold claims about Jimmy G and Rogers sharing greatness on this night. And um, there were there could have been many complaints, a little too much talk of the LaFleur Shanahan friendship and all that stuff. But the student out of the week was stolen by none other than Michelle Tafoya. You know, I've never really had any complaints regarding Michelle Tafoya's sideline coverage. I, I never really, until this this Sunday, and Michelle Tafoya earned her first nod as the Stunat of the Week for her terrible question, that she, the, the terrible question she asked Devontae Adams. She comes in out of nowhere um, in between a play, and they're like, oh, it's cut to Michelle Tafoya on the sideline. Uh, she had a chance to talk to Devontae earlier this week, and she comes on, yeah, I talked to Devontae earlier this week, and I asked him the question, would he rather stay with the Packers or follow Aaron wherever he goes? And when she said that that was her question, I got so angry because it's not the time. It's not the time to be talking about Rodgers and Devontae and them both leaving. They, they're on the field for week three against the San Francisco 49ers. There's so much football to be played. That conversation can be revisited, and it just really makes me angry when I, it seems as if that's the only thing people want to talk about. And the fact that Tafoya wasted her opportunity to ask Devontae Adams a question, to ask him such a horrible question that he want, doesn't want anything to do with, like if he would rather stay with the Packers or follow Aaron wherever he goes talking as if Aaron's definitely gone as if the ideal situation isn't just Aaron and Devontae both stay in Green Bay and and things move on happily ever after as they are now that's I'm not writing that out that's still in the cards that that could certainly work out so Michelle Tafoya congratulations on winning student of the week and hopefully next time you have the opportunity if there's a next time to sit down with Devontae Adams, you'll have a little bit of a better question to ask him because um, that was just a very divisive question to ask him on the where it went, uh, on the eve of Sunday Night Football. There's a lot of football to be played, and that is a, un, that's not appreciated in these parts. Michelle Tafoya, your Week 3 Stunat of the Week. Sunday night also was the first time that there was really a Marquez Valdez-Scantling sighting. Um, last week on the show, Packer Mike did state that there was no possible way Marquez Valdez-Scantling leaves Sunday without a touchdown, and he caught a beautiful touchdown pass from Aaron Rodgers. It was a tough throw, an amazing catch in the back of the end zone. Uh, finished the game, three receptions, 52 yards, and a touchdown 
like I said, sure-handed grab in the end zone. And it was great to see Marquez Valdez-Scantling getting involved. Uh, he had a couple of missed opportunities in that Detroit Lions game. Aaron missed him a couple times. And I guess there was a couple other times Aaron missed him in this game. Apparently, after the game, Aaron said he now owes MVS five more touchdown balls. So it's good to see MVS getting involved. It's good to see other options going on. It's not all Devontae. It's good to see the ball being spread around a little bit. And look for MVS to start getting involved more as the season progresses and, and defenses adjust to what the Packers are doing. Um, I, I believe that Sunday was just a little sample taste of this type of season that MVS is going to have. I think there's a possibility of him, of him having some monster games moving forward. And if, a, if I'm a fantasy owner, I would look to lock him down if you haven't already. I mean, three receptions, 52 yards, and a touchdown seems like it could be a pretty standard day for MVS moving forward as the, week, as the weeks move on and the season progresses. And it really was the first time we saw Alan Lazard get involved. He caught the first pass of the day. That was his first of the season, and it was great to see him get involved out there. And as the season progresses, other guys are going to need to get involved. I mean, it's great to see Devontae Adams, 12 receptions, 132 yards, and a touchdown. But that always can't happen, and it does seem like Aaron is looking for him a lot. And on that nasty hit Devontae took, he was kind of that was kind of double triple coverage that he got the ball tossed to and and it'd be nice to avoid that maybe spread the ball around a little more and get other options involved because there is a ton of options on this Packers offense and on Sunday the Packers were able to establish the run again they established the run early they went to it often and they averaged 4 yards a carry exactly what you expect and would want to be the case for this Matt LaFleur offense. If the Packers are, are carrying the ball at four yards a clip, I mean, it's going to be a great day for the offense. Because when they run the ball and they get Aaron Jones moving, the entire playbook opens up. Aaron Jones finished the day, 19 carries, 82 yards, one touchdown, another great game from him. A.J. Dillon, only six carries for 18 yards. In my opinion, he should have been given a few more carries, especially, most notably, on that fourth and one. Uh, we were in the, uh, deep in the uh, in the Niners zone, and, and, and we had a fourth and one. The Packers decide to go for it instead of taking the three points. Uh, would have went up 13 points at, the, at that point, 13 nothing. Um, but instead, Randall moves in, in, in motion. It seems as if there might have been a little bit of an early snap from Myers. Aaron seemed a little upset there. But the play broke down, and, and, and the Packers ended up turning it over on downs. It would have been nice to see perhaps an A.J. Dillon carry for one yard there. I'm a firm believer that A.J. Dillon could get one yard every single time he touches the ball. Yeah, He's just such a machine when he runs. He's so strong. But I see what the Packers are doing. I see what LaFleur is trying to get going. It's important to establish Aaron Jones uh, get him rolling because the whole offense goes as Aaron jo as Aaron Jones go goes. Yeah, Devontae is the best receiver in the league, and obviously he he is as important to this offense as anyone. But when Aaron Jones is running the ball and, and catching those checkdowns and gaining yards after the catch and just being productive, the whole offense gets going. And it's it's important to keep AJ Dillon fresh 
for when that cold weather ball comes around, like the Titans game last season when he was uh, the premier back for that game. It's going to be nice to have a fresh A.J. Dillon as the months move on and we get into December and winter football. But really nothing to complain about on the offensive side of the ball. And it really all is because the Packers' offensive line. Last week on the show, I was pretty... I I voiced my concern regarding the Packers' offensive line going up against the San Francisco defensive front. I mean, they have a really, really good defensive line. Obviously, they have Nick Boza, who's a a top three pass rusher in, in the league. They have D Ford. They have Armstead. So they have some really nasty pass rushers that that have given the Packers issues in the past. And last week, I I was scared. I was really, really scared going into the game. And it was something that I thought could become a real issue, especially as we count down to Bach here on the Weekly Cheese. And and due to the, the nerves that that we had here on the Weekly Cheese regarding the Packers' young and inexperienced offensive line going against this this Niners' front. We introduced the Brian Bulaga plaque as, as the relic of the week. And we did the reason we, we introduced the Brian Bulaga plaque is, is not only because he made headlines for, for being placed on the IR over there in Los Angeles, but, but we felt that the Brian Bulaga plaque with his name inscribed and his a little portrait of him, we felt that that was a perfect relic that would give the Packers offensive line the Brian Bulaga spirit, uh, the, the energy and passion and strength and power and agility and just football savvy that Brian Bulaga played the game with needed to run through the body of every single offensive lineman for the Packers on Sunday. They needed, they needed to to capture Bulaga's essence and and really have Bulaga-type performances on the field. And it's safe to say that that relic worked. On Sunday night, the Bulaga spirit was pulsing through the veins of the Packers' offensive line. Yeah, they're inexperienced. Yeah, you have... Runyon out there, second-year guy. Yeah, you have Royce Newman and Josh Myers who are rookies. And yeah, on the third week of the countdown to Bach, Elton Jenkins goes down and Yash Nijman is forced to step in at left tackle. The undrafted third-year guy who, who's been in the Packers practice squad just getting better over the past couple years, he needs to step in. And he had the Bulaga spirit. The whole entire offensive line played with the Bulaga spirit and had a stellar game. They played great. They moved. They allowed the Packers to move the ball efficiently. They only gave up one sack as a unit. They were ma- bursting open huge holes for the run game. And it was a beautiful thing to see. On the countdown to Bach, on week three of the countdown to Bach, we got Yash Nijman starting at left tackle. The starting lineup was Yash Nijman, John Runyon Jr., Josh Myers, Royce Newman, and Billy Turner. And they could not have played better. It was amazing to see. It, it was by far my favorite part of the entire performance. 
the offensive line stepped up and Yash, Yosh, Yash, Yash Nijman is getting the player of the game recognition from the Weekly Cheese podcast. Yash Nijman in his first start, his first major action as a professional football player, gets the player of the game. He took care of business against Nick Boza. Boza was lined up against Nijman literally the entire game. And and he took him on head to head. Yeah, the first drive was a little rough for Yash. He had a he had a tough he, he, as he said, he said it best after the game. He just needed to get the jitterbugs out. After that first drive, he picked up that face mask penalty. He was getting beat. Uh, the Packers had to settle for three due to the pass rush. But after that first drive, Yash Nijman ended the game so strong. He played so good. And he at the end of the game, he had no sacks given up, no quarterback hits given up, no hurries, and no pressures. He shut out. Nick Bosa. Yeah, LaFleur did a good job throwing Tunyon in there and throwing DeGuara in there and and Mercedes Lewis to help block and help with with, uh, the the Bosa task. But that does not take away from the fact that that Yosh played phenomenally. And after the game, his teammates really couldn't have had higher praise for the man. Uh, After the game, Aaron said, that he heard from Bach that Yosh has some of the best feet that David Bakhtiari has ever seen in an offensive lineman. And that's pretty impressive considering Yosh is a towering man, six foot eight, just a huge guy. Also, after the game, LaFleur said that when he went up to coach Stenovich earlier that week in practice to see what he was thinking, right away, Stenovich said, Yosh is starting where Elton would be. He is taking the left tackle. So they were obviously confident in his ability. And and, and I couldn't be happier for the guy. I, I literally couldn't be happier. I, I We've been rooting here for the for – the, over here at the Weekly Cheese Podcast, we're very tuned in to, to what's going on along the Packers' offensive line. Packer Mike is a former offensive lineman himself. Some of our favorite Packers of all time are offensive linemen. And we've been keeping an eye on Yosh for the past couple of years. And it's great to see him getting his opportunity and, and making the most of it. And as it appears, it could not be happening to a better guy. Devontae spoke on it after the game about Yosh's positivity, his kind nature, and his soft-spokenness. And apparently in the game, Devontae's getting all hyped up. He's... He's telling he's hyping Yash up, and Yash just said that he was thankful and appreciative that he was able to share the field with the guys. Just an amazing thing to hear from a guy who who stepped up when the team needed him most, did not flinch in the face of one of the most feared pass rushers in in National Football League. And congratulations to to Yash Nijman, and we are hoping. That this carries over. I mean, Yash should be nothing but confident going in to, to 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 face Pittsburgh next week, and I couldn't be more confident in him after watching his performance on Sunday. Great things from from Yash and the interior trio of young Packers offensive linemen. Aside from Billy Turner, 
this Packers offensive lineman that were uh, this offensive line that was on the field on Sunday is so inexperienced. The interior trio of Runyon, Myers, and Newman, they played fantastic. They basically shut down Arbstead and, and, and Kinlaw. Uh, they won the push at the line. They were opening holes for Aaron Jones. Um, besides that little early snap by Myers, it didn't seem that anything was going wrong in terms of the operation of the offense. He seemed he seemed good with all that stuff, and, and he was a machine out there but with his run blocking and his pass blocking. Runyon had a phenomenal performance, and, and Royce Newman had a phenomenal performance. He, he did give up the games, the team's only sack to Armstead at the start of the second quarter, but after that, he was, he was great. He was strong, and, and Aaron referred to him after the game as Wild Man 70. Royce Newman is now Wild Man 70, and I, I don't believe that there could be a more fitting nickname for for the man with the with the crazy, greasy hair. I mean, how many times do we have to state it on this podcast? We love Royce Newman's filthy, greasy hair. It's awesome. It's badass, and he is truly a wild man. On top of that, before the game, before the Packers were getting on the plane, Evan Siegel was able, the team photographer, was able to snap some pictures and he, there was a photo of Royce Newman carrying what seemed to be a, a luggage tote filled with, with chicken sandwiches. So that was cool to see, too. So not only is Royce Newman a madman on the field and, and a strong offensive lineman who's played phenomenally against the 49ers and was a big part of the victory, he also supplied the rest of the offensive line with what seemed to be an endless supply of chicken sandwiches. So could not be happier with what was put on display from the Packers offensive line and expect it moving forward. And Billy Turner, what's there to say about Billy Turner? He was absolutely stellar. Uh, he was a rock on the right side of the line, and he kept D. Ford out of the box score entirely. If the Packers offensive line, as we count down to box, just three weeks till Bach, three more games the Packers have to get through without David Bakhtiari. Who knows what's going to be going on with Elton Jenkins' ankle. That's something to keep an eye on. But it's great to know that in the meantime, this Packers offensive line is poised and ready to take on any defensive front there is there is in the league. And it's going to be needed this week against the Pittsburgh Steelers. T.J. Watt is no joke. The Steelers' defense gets after it. They pride themselves on their defense and it's going to be up to the young offensive linemen to take the momentum that they generated, the confidence that they deserve to be feeling after Sunday, and go into this Steelers game and make a statement that, that yeah, Bakhtiari might be hurt, and yeah, Elton Jenkins might be hurt, the two best offensive linemen in the league, they might be out of commission, but we're still the best offensive line in the league, and I think that's what they're going to do. And if and when the Packers' offensive line continues to play like they did on Sunday, no matter who is lined up in those five spots, as long as Aaron is upright, off the ground, and has his time, this offense is going to be sitting right at the top of the leaderboards in every statistical category, just like they were last year. It's going to be great to see any talk of Aaron Rodgers not wanting to be there or this offense 
going to look bad this season because of the drama and all that that talk and stop. It was a great team victory. Aaron was obviously happy, excited. Everyone was feeling good. And the Packers are in a good spot moving up as the team, as, as one of the league's premier teams, a true Super Bowl contender. And that's what they proved with their victory over San Francisco on Sunday night. And a big part of that victory came on the defensive side of the ball. Last week, obviously, the big concerns were how was the Packers' offensive line going to play and was the Packers' defense going to be able to get itself off the field and give the ball back to Aaron Rodgers and the potent Packers' offense. And it starts up front. It starts with the front seven. It it starts with stopping the run. And the Packers' defense started the game with the energy and effort and power that we've all been waiting for. And it allowed them to completely dominate the line of scrimmage. Kenny Clark was an absolute animal out there. He was a man on a mission. And although his box score numbers don't really jump off the the stat sheet, he only finished the game with two tackles and a quarterback hit. That does not mean anything. Kenny Clark set the tone for the entire defense and dominated the line of scrimmage all game long. And and he showed this dominance from the very first snap of the game. On the very first snap, he took his hands and just completely barreled through the 49ers center. He ran right through the man, pushed him right into Jimmy G's lap, and forced a tackle for a loss on the run. And that play was the tone setter. The Packers' defense came to play. They heard all the trash talk, and they came to play. And Kenny Clark was a big part of that. Not only did he start the game by dominating the line of scrimmage and dominated the entire game, but he also forced the fumble. It was a, it was credited as a team sack, the second team sack the Packers have had this year. But it was a for, he forced the fumble. The Packers get the ball. It came right after a punt. Again, late in the game, Jimmy G fumbles. Packers get the ball, go up six. It was a big play, big momentum shift, and Kenny Clark had himself a hell of a performance. And really, the that invigorated the entire Packers front seven. They fed off that Kenny Clark energy, and they, they had a much improved performance. They held the Niners to just 67 yards rushing, the Packers defense did, and a big part of it it's because of the way the defensive line came came to play. They played physical. They played very physical. The, the L brothers, Lancaster and Lowry, had a much better game than they have had the, the past two games this season. Week three was clearly their best week. Lancaster, I mean, my God, he held his spot, and I noticed on numerous occasions he received a huge blow to the midsection while eating up these runs. They showed this one slow-motion run of the 49ers. I think Sermon had the ball, and he hits the hole, and you just see his shoulder hit directly in to Tyler Lancaster's sternum, and Lancaster just absorbed the run, and he was just a monster all game. He had the play of his career with that crazy little swim move to the inside and was able to apply pressure to Jimmy G. You never thought you'd see it from Tyler Lancaster. It was a crazy jump on the ball. Did his little swim rip move. 
easily the play of his career. The power and explosiveness that he displayed was just beautiful. Tyler uh, Dean Lowry had a nice quarterback hit. Uh, he he had a great game. He was swallowing up the run, played with power. And, and T.J. Slayton, for some reason, only played two snaps. Rookie only played two snaps. But in those two snaps, he had a quarterback hit and a half sack. So even when he was in there, he was making a play. The entire defensive line fed off of the energy that Kenny Clark set from the get-go. Devondre Campbell had himself a phenomenal game at the middle linebacker position. He played every single snap of the game, finished with 11 tackles. He recovered the fumble that Kenny Clark forced. He was breaking up passes. He does a great job at keeping the man in front of him in coverage and, and making the tackle for short gain instead of missing the tackle or getting beat deep. Uh, he, he's been playing great. Devondre Campbell has been a great addition to this Packers defense. And he did a great job one-on-one -on -one matching up with, with George Kittle. George Kittle really didn't do anything that crazy when Devondre Campbell was manned up with him. And it's very important that Devondre Campbell stays healthy. Because um, early on in that game, when Chris Barnes went down with the concussion, I'm sure everyone saw it, he clearly hurt himself trying to make a tackle. He gave himself a concussion. Um, but really, the defense didn't start struggling until Ty Summers got in the game. Um, when Ty Summers got in the game, the 49ers started moving the ball a little more, started putting points on the board. Uh, he just really gets picked on every single time he's in there, and it really is costly. He missed two tackles that I noticed, uh, one on Kittle and one on Kyle, Kyle Juszczyk. Um, and he just gave up a ton of yards after the catch in the second half. Um, and it was just important to note that because when Chris Barnes goes down and the Packers need to go deeper on that bench for some help at the middle linebacker spot, that's when things start going south. Um, Devondre Campbell's playing great, but Ty Summers gets picked on, and then Oren Burks, uh, he, he – gets picked on a little bit it's just not good news when those guys have to enter the game B Burks did get involved on a pass rush uh, but still it's never really good news when, when they're taking significant amount of snaps but Devondre Campbell could not be more pleased with with the acquisition of him he was even in there on special teams because Barnes got hurt and he made a couple tackles on special teams he was just everywhere on Sunday and he had a, an impact performance to say the least and it's good to see considering the Packers haven't really had an impact performance by a middle linebacker in quite some time. Um, the pass rush was absolutely phenomenal. They were phenomenal. Finished the game with four sacks, 11 total quarterback hits. Preston Smith was once again a monster. Um, he's continuing his hot start of the season. Finished the game with three quarterback hits, a sack, and a tackle for loss. And Rashawn Gary and John Garvin had a sack, uh, a half sack and two quarterback hits each, so they were getting involved. Rashawn Gary plays with immense energy every single snap. He, he gives it his all out there. And Garvin, although he does, he is a little inconsistent with the pressure he is able to generate and apply to quarterbacks, he does seem to have a knack for getting his hands on quarterbacks. He, he's gotten two quarterback hits in the past two weeks and both of them have forced interceptions uh, against the Lions he's the one that laid the hit on Goff for the Devondre Campbell interception 
and, and Garvin laid down the hit that um, that that Jimmy G received when he threw the interception to Jair Alexander. So with production like that coming from the Packers' pass rush, especially at very opportune times and in and, and situational football when the Packers need a stop and need the ball back, the Packers' defense was able to go get the ball back first with the Jair Alexander interception. And then with the Kenny Clark fumble, two timely takeaways, uh, all due to the fact that the Packers' pass rush was getting after it. And credit to Joe Barry for throwing some different blitz packages out there. Uh, one time, Jair Alexander was involved on a blitz. He did get called for that bogus uh, roughing the passer call. But it was nice to see some different looks out there on the defensive side of the ball and not just relying on four guys to get after the quarterback. As far as the Packers' secondary goes, it really was, a, I would say, a great game compared to the past couple weeks. Um, Eric Stokes gets his first NFL start, and he shined, to say the very least. He finished with five tackles and a pass breakup. He never got beat deep, not once. And if it wasn't for those two very questionable pass interference penalties, he would have had a perfect day. Not going to say too much about the pass interference penalties, considering the whistle was bad both ways, basically all game long. Uh, both teams suffered uh, due to the ref's whistle. But with that being said, if it were not for those two uh, pass interference penalties that were unlawful, Eric Stokes would have had a perfect game. He played such nice coverage, in fact, that. The 49ers started throwing to Jair Alexander's side, which is pretty crazy considering uh, Jair Alexander never gets thrown at. Absolutely never. But it's interesting to think, but Kevin King might have uh, lost his starting role on the perimeter for good. Uh, Eric Stokes is young. He is athletic. He is lightning fast. And he was a first-round pick for a reason. He is going to take on the starting role from now on. He He's deserved. He's earned it. He played great. And I'm excited to see what comes. Five tackles and a pass breakup in your first NFL start is pretty good, especially playing on the opposite side of Jair Alexander, who himself had a great game. He was targeted more than ever, like I said. Um, he did give up that touchdown. Uh but he also had an interception and a pass breakup on the day. He gave up four completions, which is strange. But again, it's because he was being targeted more. With Eric Stokes playing such good coverage on the opposite side of him, it, Jimmy Jimmy G had no choice but to throw at Jair Alexander. Uh, he gave that one catch Debo Samuel had in the second half was very impressive catch, and uh, Jair can't be blamed for that. It was perfect coverage. But sometimes uh, perfect coverage is can't get the job done. It happens. You get beat. But strong day from Jair. Showed his speed on that interception. He really put on the afterburners there for that interception. And great things from this Packers secondary. Not a, not a miserable day whatsoever. Um, outside of Shannon Sullivan. Shannon Sullivan kind of had a rough day. Uh, he did have a nice pass breakup on the early third down there in the game. But he did get repeated, beat repeatedly by George Kittle. Uh, he also had a holding penalty in the end zone. And now there's a little bit of a position battle going on between Kevin King and uh, Chandon Sullivan, I'd say, for that slot corner spot. Um, last week in the Detroit game, 
Kevin King, once Eric Stokes started getting his reps, Kevin King was moved to that slot corner position, and Shannon Sullivan didn't really receive that many snaps. Of course, Kevin King was a um, pretty late scratch there for an illness, it said, so he wasn't out there. But when he comes back from that illness, it'll be interesting to see what goes on at, at that corner, sl- that slot corner position with Shannon Sullivan and Kevin King. My guess would be they split snaps there, uh, and we'll see who ends up being more productive in that role. But for the, it's pretty easy to say. Eric Stokes has earned him spot, himself the starting spot, and I could not be more excited to have the Stokes-Alexander uh, corner duo. And the Packers secondary is only going to get better as the season progresses, as they did last year. As the season went on, they really started coming on into their own, especially the safeties. And the same is going to happen here in this new Joe Barry system. As they get more comfortable and as they start playing with each other more, this secondary has the potential to be really scary, especially with the two safeties they had that they have. Uh, Adrian Amos, obviously captain, uh, didn't have the best day for himself, but he's a stud. But Darnell Savage, absolutely phenomenal performance on Sunday. Uh, six tackles and a pass breakup. Uh, he tackled George Kittle in the open field, actually tackled him for a loss. Should have had an interception, if not for a collision he made with uh, someone else on the Packers, I can't remember off the top of my head. Just a phenomenal game from Darnell Savage. It was nice to see him getting involved in the in the run stop and, and being thrown in that box uh, when the Packers went to that dime look. Henry Black saw the field, so there were times for the first time this season where there were three safeties on the field at the same time. Great things coming from this Packers defense. They had a strong performance. Um, ultimately, they did come to play. They showed everyone what they can be like when they're firing on all cylinders and playing with that physicality that they seem to be lacking the past two weeks. And if you were to add a healthy Zadarius Smith to the group effort that we saw on Sunday, the Packers are legitimate Super Bowl contenders. I mean, four sacks and 11 quarterback hits without Zadarius Smith, um, that's pretty damn good. And once Sedarius Smith gets back into the mix, he comes back full strength. Uh, the Packers' pass rush is going to be crazy. And, and and with this young and athletic secondary, this Packers team really, truly are Super Bowl contenders. Uh, not a surprise to me. Probably not a surprise to everyone out there listening to this right now. But if you listen to the sports coverage or the national sports coverage over the past couple months, would be a surprise to many people out there. Um, and if the Packers' defense could continue to come up with these timely turnovers and momentum-shifting plays during this these important situational, um, this situational football that needs to be played here in these games, and a big they they can continue to come up big in these situations, um, the Packers are going to be a force to be reckoned with. They really are. And if we look ahead to next week. The Packers have another big test. The Packers are hosting the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, they, they, they the Steelers have struggled over the past couple weeks, but they're going to be looking to get back on track. They lost to the Bengals last week, and in that division, they really can't afford to get down and drop more games. They're going to be looking to get back on track, um, and they are the Pittsburgh Steelers after all. You cannot count them out. They, they're very well coached. 
They have a veteran quarterback. They have a strong defense. And it's going to be a game. It is going to be a game. T.J. Watt should be back this week, which means that the Packers' offensive line is going to have yet another major test this week against the Steelers. Um, it'll be up to Yosh and Runyon, uh, Myers, Newman, and Turner to play as a unit and protect Aaron Rodgers from the reigning Defensive Player of the Year in T.J. Watt. The, the Pittsburgh Steelers have a nasty defense. They play physical. And it's going to be up to the Packers' offensive line to match that physicality. If they play like they did against the 49ers, things should be under control. And the offense will, should, and will continue to build on the success that they have over the first three weeks of the season. Each week, things have looked better and better for this Packers' offense. And if this offensive line comes ready to play, things will just continue to get better for them. And on the defensive side of the ball, this Steeler team really presents a good opportunity for the Packers to continue to assert themselves. I mean, the Steelers have been struggling offensively. Their offensive line hasn't been playing that great. Their run game is as inconsistent as it gets. And due to his play as of uh, over the past couple months, at the end of last season going into this season, there are legitimate question marks surrounding Big Ben's future as a starter. He hasn't looked great. He's He really has looked like a 39-year-old quarterback, how you'd expect a 39-year-old quarterback to look. Uh, Tom Brady is truly an anomaly. And this is a perfect opportunity for the Packers' defense to string together another solid defensive performance. Um, I believe if they were to go out there and play as they did on Sunday, they should, they should easily beat the Steelers' team. And it'll be good for them to put together back-to-back -to -back strong days as a defensive unit to build the confidence in guys like Garvin and Chauncey Rivers and Ty Summers if he has to be in there. Who knows what's going to happen with Chris Barnes. It'll be interesting to keep an eye on his concussion status and, and who's going to be filling in there if we see more Oren Burks. I know they like throwing Oren Burks when they're blitzing or Ty Summers. It's just going to be good for the defense to have a strong, solid performance for back-to-back -back weeks to really build that confidence moving forward as the Packers look to get on another Super Bowl run. Get over that hump. That's what this season is all about. It's time to get over that hump. And it starts with stopping the run. Once the run is taken care of, Big Ben will be forced to pass. The pass rush will be able to get after him force some turnovers, just like they did against Jimmy G. But once the run is taken care of and the Packers' defense can get off the field early and, and the, the Packers can start playing with the lead, I think this Sunday is just going to open up. I think the Packers get a lead early. The defense does its job, gets off the field, and the Packers win big. 34-21 is my final prediction. That's going to do it for another edition of the Weekly Cheese. Number one place for everything, Green Bay Packer. Thank you all for listening. If you like this episode, feel free to leave a like down below. Also, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Follow us on Spotify and check us out at www.theweeklycheese.com. Also, follow us on Instagram at theweekly.cheese. Talk to you all next week after we come together again to talk about the Packers 
what's going to be fantastic victory over the Pittsburgh Steelers. Thanks again for listening. I'm your host, Joe Ivan. And as always, remember, the cheese stands alone. Talk to you next week, everyone. Mr. Rogers ain't no kid play. No delay of game. He ran the table. He gon' make a way. Somebody get his cake. Give him space. Let him call the play. He audible and fake. That's right. Great. Never play it safe. He all in for the game. And then it's clay with the defense. Mason with the kicks. He never misrepresents. He's so convenient. Believe in the process. It ain't no mercy to get. It's controversy through this journey. But we in it to win. Playing Dom Capers defense. Edgar Bennett offense. Run the table when they think we lost it. Aaron jumped the defense offset. I'm pulling upsets. We up next. Super Bowl City, we the suspects. Secure the trophy. Bring Vince home. He should have been home. The end zone bound. They count us out. We scoring 10 touchdowns. Green and yellow on my jersey. Ain't no mercy to get. It's controversy through this journey, but we ended the win. Discipline.